In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Have you ever watched a movie and found yourself wondering what happened after the credits roll at the end of the movie? When the couple gets together at the end of a romantic comedy, after the meet-cute, I just recently learned that's what it's called when the couple meets in a movie. It's called the meet-cute. So after the meet-cute, after the series of misunderstandings, when the credits roll and they're together, how do their lives and life together progress? Does the doubt and the vulnerability typical of rom-com characters simply fade away, or do they still have things to work through? After the action hero drives off into the sunset, what happens the next day? I've seen Die Hard. He would probably need significant therapy after that happens, physical and psychological. Do they ever face charges for the obvious crimes they committed in the course of being an action hero? Sometimes I wonder these things out loud as Martha and I watch movies, which makes me very popular with her, you can imagine. Suspend your disbelief is often her reply. But it's hard to suspend our disbelief on this side of the camera because we are built for closure. From early grade school, we're told that every story has a beginning and a middle and an end. That's how you write a story. Of course, life isn't like that. We don't simply move from episode to episode in our lives. Rather, everything is intertwined. We're not just always never looking back or never thinking forward. We're not built for that. Everything is intertwined with everything that we do, every part of our lives. Life doesn't always come with the option to suspend our disbelief. Fortunately, real life and movies aren't the only place where that can be a problem. The tradition of storytelling in scripture, too, always sometimes asks for that same suspension of disbelief, a certain economy of language that the gospel writers used that always leave the reader wanting to know more. I always think of the story of Jesus preaching for the first time in Capernaum, where the crowd, the hometown crowd, is so incensed with him that they rush him from the temple to the edge of the cliff so that they can push him off. But at the last moment, Jesus simply passes through the raging crowd and goes on his way. Wait, what? How? The crowd just moved on and forgot what it was they were going to do? That's some crazy storytelling. Suspend your disbelief. Which is why tonight's second reading from the Gospel of John is quite curious. Because this time, we kind of get the opposite. Tonight, we hear the end of a story that we didn't hear the beginning of. This time, we hear what happens after the proverbial credits roll. This time, after the hero has saved the day, we see the fallout. The words from Jesus we hear tonight, which sound as theologically rich and dense as anything else from the Gospel of John, are actually in response to something else that's just happened, a story with its own beginning and middle and end. The beginning, Jesus notices a blind, paralyzed man sitting by a local pool. The middle, Jesus heals the man, restoring his sight and his mobility. Then the man gets up, picks up his mat, and walks away. The end. But after that, 
there's more that unfolds. Because it turns out that it's the Sabbath, and the man is seen walking away carrying his mat, which is forbidden on the Sabbath. And so when the authorities interrogate him, he points back to Jesus who had healed him and told him to pick up his mat. So the authorities go to Jesus and ask him, who are you to heal in the name of God? And on the Sabbath, no less. It's these authorities, these people, who were watching from the sidelines, waiting until the credits rolled to ask their questions. And what does Jesus tell them? Very truly, he says, the Son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whomever he wishes. Suspend your disbelief, Jesus tells them. There is more at work here than you know. This is, after all, the same Jesus who says to the first disciples he calls, you will see things greater than these, an idea that he repeats to the authorities in this address. It's the same Jesus who we heard ask Nicodemus this morning, how will you understand heavenly things if you can't understand earthly things? Suspend your disbelief, Jesus tells them. Come and see. Because Jesus comes to give life to those who believe and to those who see. Jesus comes to give life to the blind and the oppressed and the weak and the disheartened. In this Liturgy of Evensong, we hear two more endings of stories that we don't hear the beginning of. The Magnificat, Mary's response to the announcement that she will give birth to God's Messiah. And the Nunc Dimittis, Simeon's response to seeing that child Jesus in the temple and recognizing him as the Messiah. It's in the Magnificat that Mary proclaims that God's story with this world is not finished, that God intends to come in our very flesh to give glory to the humble and to sustain the weak, to give life to those that society already regards as dead. It's in the Nunc Dimittis that Simeon proclaims that even in the darkest of times in the world, God is still at work, holding out a light to all who will see it, that in Jesus, God has come to send us out in peace. That Jesus comes to give life to those who have waited in faith and patience with that very same belief that God is not yet finished. Suspend your disbelief. You will see greater things than these. Because like this gospel story, these two canticles, these endings of stories that we might sometimes forget the beginning of, they remind us that our belief in Christ is wrapped up in that unending story of God's longing for us to be healed and restored and reconciled, even in Jesus Christ who comes to give us life. And in this current climate, that couldn't be more important to hold dear. In a world made weary by bickering veiled as politics, Jesus gives life. In a world made uncertain by the threat of illness and pandemic, Jesus gives life. In a world made anxious by war and environmental change and systemic injustices along lines of race and gender and culture, 
all of which we've created, Jesus gives life. In these Lenten days, as we consider that story of prayer and healing and grace in our own lives, we'll do well to remember that Jesus comes to be the light of the world that shines through all despair and disbelief that we may carry. Because in the shadow of the cross, it's not death that Jesus gives, but life. So suspend your disbelief. The story isn't finished yet. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.